Mindfulness Mode 137. I sell myself that every single morning. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I'm really pumped today to have Jay Wong with us. We're catching up with Jay just before his huge birthday bash, where he's celebrating with two free interactive masterclasses on how to create and launch a top-rated podcast in 60 days. Stay tuned at the end of the show to get more details. Check it out at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash J, J-A-Y. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm so excited to have my friend Jay Wong on the line today. Hey, Jay, are you in mindfulness mode? You know I am, Bruce. Let's do this. (laughs) I know it, yeah. Jay Wong is a podcaster, a brand strategist, and trainer. His podcast, The Inner Changemaker, is his platform to share his knowledge and interview such guests as Bob Proctor, Nathan Chan, and Tucker Max, to name a few. He loves to help others get their inner message out to the world in their own unique way. Not only is Jay a super high-energy guy, but he thoroughly understands the concept of mindfulness and truly rocks at living in the moment. So, Jay, how are you doing anyway? You know, Bruce, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for for having me on. Um, I'm I'm really really well. That was a very kind introduction, and uh, you know, hopefully, we could create some some magic here uh, for for your listeners. Well, we definitely can. I know that. And speaking of mindfulness, and when I think of you, Jay, I think of speaking, public speaking, because you are so dynamic on stage. And I just saw you at Podcast Movement, and you you were just so confident. And, you know, studies have been done that say public speaking is our biggest phobia. How do you tackle this? How do you use mindfulness to help you deliver like such a clear, confident speech? You know, I love this question and I was actually asked this very recently, even at, at Podcast Movement, there, there's a few people that, that came up to me and, and said something kind of similar. Um, and, and to give everyone some context, I um, was almost kind of like almost a shy kid in like kind of growing up, like it was mm-hmm. social, wasn't doing any of the stuff obviously that, that I was doing now. And I almost stumbled across public speaking. Um, I, I almost like just stumbled upon this thing. I was like in high school, I wasn't really great at anything. You know, it wasn't because I was like a bad student. I just mm-hmm. didn't, you know, I did, you know, played some sports, ran track, you know, was a part of some honors courses, some advanced placement courses. Like it was okay. It was almost like I was just part of the pack, you know? Right. And I remember there, there was this one moment in, in my life when I stumbled upon something called public speaking that I, I almost innately knew that it, it could have been something, a modality that I can use for, for the rest of my life. And the way that I interpret it um, is that, you know, you're there to, to provide a message, almost like a vessel, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's this, I know that there's like a, almost like a poem or not, not like a poem, but like an analogy out there talking about tapping into genius, right? And part of that poem is saying that genius is not something you have, Genius is something that flows through you and you act as a vessel, right? And whether that means that you are a writer and, you know, sometimes people, you know, talk about like, I don't know what happened, but the words just flowed out of me, right? Or you're a musician and, you know, after, you know, trying to put together a track and all of a sudden you just, you just understood 
how to put together the track so that it's the best possible thing at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what that's like the closest I can describe of what happens when I put together um, kind of like a talk or I try to do a video and it's it's for me it's the closest it's almost like the most comfortable feeling and I know that like throws people off and it seems a little unfair um, but it's it's like you know it's it goes back to self-awareness right you got to find that thing in life that you're most comfortable in and for me it happens to be public speaking where it allows me to tap into that flow that I can have complete clarity in that moment and it's it's just it's a very comfortable feeling so how do you lead up to it do you do you get the jitters are you a little nervous yeah you know i, I think that's that's a really great that's a really great question because the fear doesn't ever go away Right. right. The nervousness, the jitters, all that stuff is like part of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was just starting out um, being like a content creator, I would create all these videos and I, I'd go speak on high schools about what I thought the most fundamental topic should be, which was overcoming fear. Right. And I, made, I remember I made I wrote like an ebook on overcoming fear. I, I did all these videos about overcoming fear. And actually what I learned through that experience was that it's not about overcoming your fear. It's not about getting rid of it. Right. No. It's about not not just coping with it, but understanding how to relate with fear and not and choosing not to let fear win, choosing not mm-hmm. to, you know, let fear get the better of you. Right. And acknowledging that the jitters are there. Acknowledging that you're you're going to be vulnerable and maybe you you don't you know have it all down. It's not perfect. Just acknowledging that, but then choosing to do it anyways. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but you yeah, know that's 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 kind of how I tackle um, the nervousness, and it doesn't really go away. I've I, you know we talked to so many people, uh, so many like entrepreneurs, and I think it's something that you you have to almost built in as a strength rather than a weakness. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. I think those those of those people, and maybe at times that's me, who are trying to get rid of their fear. That's not really the right uh, plan at all because, you know, you just have to accept that feeling and then just move through it. I think you're right. You know, some say the way to find and use your passion is by reaching your inner creative. And, you know, that's what your talk was about at Podcast Movement, how to develop the creator's mindset. So I'm just wondering if you would share a little of those ideas with Mindful Tribe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the talk at Podcast Movement had everything to do with what I call the creator's mindset, developing that out, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in in our life, we live in this such such an abundant world. But a lot of times, we we essentially we undervalue what we can deliver to the world. We undervalue our gifts and we undersell our abilities all the time. People th- always think like, you know, I cannot do it. It's, it's impossible. And we just have this natural inclination to, to kind of undersell ourselves. And, and I think that, you know, when we talk about overcoming our fears, when we try to develop more of an abundant mindset, when we try to do anything and elevate any part of our lives, um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions on this and strategies. But for what worked for me, 
And what was a really great outlet was the concept of constant, like of constantly creating and not judging what you're creating, being able to take your opinions, take your ideas and just put it out into the world, even if it seems so crazy. Right. And even if it seems like no one's watching, no one's listening and and the just the ability to do that is not about trying to make yourself a celebrity or and it's not about trying to make yourself a successful whatever label you're chasing. What you're doing is you're creating what is in your heart, what was given to you. Right. And, and for a lot of people, they'll you know, when I say that, they'll you know, there's always those things that, you know, n- that people are naturally drawn to. Right, that they know that it was natu- it was given to them, and it's their mission, their purpose almost to get that out into the world. And you know, I had you know three kind of like mini strategies, um, and you know, my favorite one is really creating every day. Uh, and this is a really kind of like tough one. Everyone thinks it's like something that you have to. Um, it's like, oh my god, I, I have to do this like new chore. Right, I have to do this like new thing every day. But what creating every day does, and what I mean by that is, you, you don't. It's not about making like a video every day, and you know, it's not about podcasting every day. It's it's not just about creating like a thing. But can you make someone's day? You know, can you make uh, a joke? Uh, you know, to someone, right? Can you make someone smile? Right? It's about creating moments, creating experiences. And when you try to build a habit of doing that, you find yourself. You're creating more and more and the more you do it, the more you give yourself permission and you're not seeking validation from outside society, your, your, your friends, your family. You're simply just training yourself to create what's in your soul and what's in your heart. Yeah, I really like that. Creating every day because it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day to-do list. You know, I've got to do this email. I've got to do this thing. I've got to clean off my desk. I've got to do, And then by the time you're finished doing all these things, the day is over and you're like, oh, I'll create tomorrow. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> and you don't end up creating anything. Yeah. Well, that's I the totally thing, right? We, we, we make excuses all the time. Yes. Right? And uh, I, I discussed this. I just made like a, a recent video on this um, where it's it, it, here's here's like a, another concept. Right. Are you choosing not to lose or are you playing to win? Right. And there, there's a distinction in there. And I think a lot of times we get caught up being comfortable We're we're, we're it's comfortable to kind of, you know, to do it tomorrow. Right. It's comfortable to get caught up in the day. Right. But it becomes uncomfortable to start doing a new habit to try to change and elevate different parts of your life. Um, And I think that's just just something that you you think about. um, And, you know, creating every day is just a simple way of kind of like fighting that and trying to play to win, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, Jay, uh, when I meet you and I talk with you in person and then when I, when I listen to your podcast, you always seem to have this incredible, vibrant energy. And I'm just wondering, do you ever struggle with low energy? Do you ever struggle with like being in a funk or anything like that? And if you do, how do you use mindfulness to plow through it? I think this is a great question because a lot of people – um, I think go through, you know, it's, it's, we're human, right? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and one of my favorite guys that came on wasn't, you know, he wasn't like a New York bestseller and he wasn't, he wasn't like a, you know, crazy, you know, entrepreneur that's one. He's done some really awesome things, but mm-hmm. he, I, it was an episode that I did with him, uh, Jason Connell about self-love. 
And he said, look, you know, you're not going to try to solve your problems um, by buying, you know, courses and PDFs online. Sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes you realize that you are human and it's okay to have like an off day. You know, it's okay to want to, to have a little bit of, of red wine, right? Even if you said like you're not drinking. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to like want to, you know, have a, a snack and, 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 and maybe have a, like an unha- unhealthy meal once in a while, right? Everything becomes a balance. And yes. so for me, it's, I definitely have those days um, where, you know, the energy is not there. It's a struggle to do even the simplest of tasks. You know, maybe you don't even want to, you know, do anything, right? You mm-hmm. kind of almost want to be like that couch potato, you know, and, and it's just there's there's comfort in that. And for me, what I try to do is I try not to do I, I, I've I've tried it a couple different ways. So the mm-hmm. way that I used to think about it is I could power through this. Mm-hmm. Let me power through this. Right. I my will is so strong. I'm going to sit down and, and eventually, you know, I'm going to hate the first hour. But the second hour, I'm going to be great, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, you know, it, kind of work. But what I found was that you started resenting your work almost, you know, yeah. you started resenting sitting down, you started resenting the idea of being in front of your laptop and creating. And it kind of defeats the whole purpose of it because you want to find something for the rest of your life that is going to give you that energy. It's going to give you that joy. That's going to give you, you know, that, that positivity back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, what I do is I actually shut everything off, mm-hmm. cell phone, computers, I shut everything off. And I, I know you talked about this, you know, a couple times on your podcast, but there's really, I think silence is, is, is really undervalued in, in our community, um, in, in our world. In Italy, actually, I'm, I'm staying in Italy and there's this, uh, there's this kind of like um, idiom that I just learned and it's called dolce far niente, dolce far niente. And it translates to the beauty of doing nothing. Uh. And when you do that, that is when we create space. When we do nothing and we think, oh my God, I'm so behind, I'm doing all these things. But instead of thinking that, you're, you're creating space and you're actually allowing inspiration to take place. You're actually giving yourself time to strategize, to digest, you know, to process what's been happening. You know, and at the very least, you're giving yourself time for gratitude, you know, to, to be grateful for what you have. Right. Um, And just these are some of the things that, you know, when I get into a funk, I know that it's not about trying to power through it. Right. It's it's my body. It's my energy system telling me that I got to take a little bit of time, rejuvenate myself, you know, go on a hike, go outside. Right. Do something out of the normal context so that you could come back and be a better entrepreneur, be a better, you know, be, you know, be a better husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, brother, sister, you know, be that better person for the people in your life and the communities that we're building. Well, I love that. That is so wise. I mean, it's, it's right out of the Tao Te Ching by Latsu, you know, all about, you know, allowing and, and just the power of doing nothing. It, it's really amazing and true. And I think in in North America, particularly, we have this idea, like you said, that we just have to keep moving, keep working, keep doing, 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 you know, and sometimes that just doesn't work. Now, you alluded before, Jay, to habit and talking about the habit of, you know, creating 
every day and making mm-hmm. that into a habit and making it part of your routine. Can you expand a little bit more on how habit and routine play a role in your life? Yeah, I think, you know, um, Charles Duhigg wrote this amazing book on on habits. Of, I think it's literally called the, the Power of Habits. And in that book, it talks about keystone habits. And I'm a really big fan of, of kind of like the 80-20, you know, Pareto's law, right? It's mm-hmm. all about efficiency. What can I do that is the least not not like the least amount of work like I'm trying not to do work but what is going to be the most effective way that I can use my time and and still get 80% of of the result right. and so I always try I love the keystone habits cuz keystone habits are habits that if you kind of incorporate them in your lives it kind of it it, it sinks in it, it kind of leaks into other parts of your life and so I think the example in in, in the book was like making your bed Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start making your bed, it kind of seems like overly simplistic. You're like, this guy's telling me to make my bed like uh, no right. deal. Um, right. But typically what happens is when you start cleaning up your bed, you're not necessarily going to have like a super dirty bedroom either. Right. So it, it kind of, infu- it, you know, it kind of leaks into the rest of the bedroom and the rest of the apartment or the house. Yes. Right? And it's just and it's just this idea of I'm going to take a few seconds you know, uh, to do, to do this thing. So it's like, that's a great keystone habit, um, in terms of, you know, leaking out to other parts of your life. Another one probably, you know, easy that comes to mind is, is when people start going to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. When they buy new running shoes, they feel like they got to use it. So, and when you start working out, going to the gym, typically you want to start eating healthier, Right. Because you put in all this work to working out. So you're like, I'm not going to go, you know, to Burger King or, you know, I'm not going to go for the fast food restaurant. I'm going to maybe, you know, go home and, and look into, I don't know, look at some cooking videos on YouTube or something, sure. you know, or, or make myself a healthier meal. Um, so for me, uh, a few, I guess, habits that has really worked for me, um, I'll, I'll tell you a couple the one is what I call the intention letter. I've talked about this before on like my, my own podcast. Um, I've actually only mentioned this every once on, on a different like podcast episode that was not like my own. But mm-hmm. the intention letter is, is something that I use to not only set my intention, but to give me a very, very clear focus. It allows me to kind of visualize where I'm going. Um, and, and the idea is really simple. All you got to do is write yourself a letter 90 days from now. Right. And so you write, you know, if you're writing to yourself, you go, Hey, Bruce, it's, um, you know, it's October, it's November 1st, you know, and you write to yourself and you, this is going to sound kind of crazy, but just stay with me here. What you do is you write this letter to yourself and you write everything as if it's November 1st and you're telling me what's already happened in the last three months. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? So you write everything in the past tense. Right. Yeah. And you write it with enthusiasm, energy. You talk about, well, you know, all the different things you want to achieve, you know, business success. Where, where's your health? What about relationships? What about, you know, um, the people in your lives? You know, what, what was something cool that happened? Right. Just as if you're really writing a letter. And, you know, I do this once, once every uh, once a quarter, you know, so once every like 90 days. And I'm not perfect at it. But every morning that I wake up, I try to reference that letter. I used to be really, really diligent the first couple times I did this. And I used to just read and read this letter and try to kind of internalize 
what this letter was going on. So a few different things at play. One is when your intention and when you're it's almost like you're you're playing to win, right? So you're playing as if these things have already happened and you're reading about them already. Right. And so the way that you read them, I think it it gives that energy to that future that you're trying to create. And for me, that's just a really great way of actually doing visualization. Right. Is 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 convincing myself and selling myself every single day that I deserve what I want to get in my life and I deserve to build you know, to have the business that, that I deserve to, to be, you know, to give as much impact and, and to have, you know, the, to work with the students and the creators, I give, you know, I sell myself that every single morning. And I think that's a big part of, you know, how you kind of attack the day. That's really, you know, the, uh, the energy. Um, so that's, that's one habit I would say that has made a tremendous, kind of um, impact in terms of how I operate. Another one is maybe counterintuitive, but it kind of goes back to what we're talking about, creating that, or essentially not just kind of going like, go, 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 go type thing. Mm -hmm. And it's something I learned from Brendan Burchard. And uh, it was about like a year ago, I think I went to a conference of his in in California somewhere. I think it was San Diego or Santa Clara. and it's really simple, actually. And all you have to do is whatever you're doing, you have to get up every hour. Okay? The, the trap is when you think you get into the zone, right? Quote, unquote, I'm going to get into the zone. How many times has this happened? I'm going to yeah. sit down and I'm not getting up until this email campaign is done. I'm not getting up until this podcast episode is mixed. I'm not getting up until X, Y, Z. Right. And what yeah. happens is we're good, right? If you're really good, you'll sit there and you'll work. You'll diligently work on it three hours, four hours, and that's great. But what you're, this is a sprint mentality. You're not playing the long game here, right? And so because you up use, you use all your energy, all your focus, right? We only have so much, so much decision power in a day. Because you use it all in, in kind of like one shot, you feel really productive, but then, then comes the afternoon. Right then comes the second part of the day where you feel like you're not doing enough. Right, you feel like it's just not quite there. You know you're not tapping into your full potential. And a great workaround for this is getting up every day or getting up every hour, and just taking you know five minutes, not nothing crazy. Right, Mm -hmm. refilling your water, doing some light stretches. You know, Brendan in in the workshop we did all these like different like crazy things like qigong and you know moving your blood and your muscles and all but really you don't have to do anything crazy you just have to you just have to get up to increase oxygen and blood flow in your body so and it's almost like refreshing and you're going to hate it by the way if you try this you're going <laughs> to absolutely hate it in the beginning because you're going to think I'm in the zone why am I getting out of the zone Right. But this is how I this is how I work. This is how I can work when people say like they work like 10, 12, 14 hours. You know, it's first of all, it's not like super healthy. You you probably want to have a bit of a balance. But if you wanted to do that and you wanted to be effective for the most part of those whatever six hours, you know, 10 hours, whatever you want to. It's it's not about another tactic. It's about actually just increasing oxygen and blood flow in your body, in your brain, so that you can think clearly. 
Yeah, and I think it really, really works. You know, they have those Pomodoro timers and they ring yeah. every 25 minutes. And and I think I I operate the same way you're describing. I think, yeah, that's good for me. I should do that. But then sometimes I just don't do it, you know, because like you say, you just don't want to. You want to stick with the thing until you get it finished. So that's really, really good advice. You know, Jay, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, as you know, and I just wonder if you have a story about bullying, either as an adult or as a child, you know, a situation where mindfulness really would have made a difference you know i i think looking back we're we're all as kids you know bullied in some way because it's almost like when when you're a kid you're just looking for acceptance right you're yes. looking to be part of the crowd and sometimes i would find most times when we're younger it's difficult to just cope with how weird we are and I mean that in like the best of ways right like you don't even know how weird (laughs) you are like you're just kind of getting to know yourself right and you know for for me the uh, one of the only like kind of like you know bullying stories so I I grew up in the U.S. and I spent about eight nine years there these were my what I call developmental years so I was just starting like I think middle school Um, so sixth grade I was like 11 years old new country, new school, new friends. And the, the neighborhood that we moved into wasn't like, it was not one of the best neighborhoods that we, I lived in Maryland. And, um, you know, I was like a tiny, like Asian, you know, North American kid, you know, trying to fit in with, with everybody. Right. Trying to find Mm -hmm. my own group of friends or trying to, you know, get some type of pattern going. And 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 I just remember like being picked on to the point that we we lived quite far away from from the school. So I would have to take the school bus. And there were days that I I didn't even want to get on the school and I would intentionally miss the school bus. To just walk home, it would take like, you know, like 90 minutes, like a 11 year old kid, like my parents are worried and everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the, I guess the way that I, you know, started dealing with it was, you know, actually my, my parents told me that I had to, in some ways, stand up for myself, right? I Mm -hmm. had to go approach these people and, or, or, or find a way to ignore them find a way to not give value to what they were doing. Right. Um, right. and, and, you know, part, part of that is, is definitely what I did in, in terms of being able to have those people kind of out of my life and not, not reacting to what they were saying, not reacting to all these different things. And when people find that they can't get that out of you, right. They can't, you know, they're, um, they can't get that anger or they can't get that emotion out of you. Um, that was just like, a, I guess, a coping me- mechanism that that, that kind of worked for, for me at that time from what I remember. Um, right. I don't know if, it, if that was like a mindfulness thing, um, but, um, you know, that I, I hope that kind of answers your question. Yeah, that does answer my question. And, and it's good to hear that it did work for you because it doesn't always, you know, like sometimes people think, oh, yeah, I will ignore it. I will stop trying to, I'll try to stop reacting and everything else. And sometimes they just say it simply doesn't work, but I'm glad it worked for you, Jay. My next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Who's one person that you think has influenced you in your mindfulness? 
Uh, definitely one of my kind of new mentors, new friends, uh, a guy named Javon Langford. Um, did a workshop with him about uh, six weeks ago. He's this up and rising uh, guy and in, in, he's a men's empowerment coach. And uh, you guys should definitely check him out. He's really great when it comes for mindfulness, um, you know, getting in tune with self-awareness and who you are and your, your truth. Uh, really spectacular guy. Yeah, he is a great guy. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Jay? I think it's actually given it's it's allowed me to get in tune, get in touch with my emotions and you start realizing what you're reacting to, right? You're able to almost observe what what are things that, you know, how are you feeling? Right. When, when, you know, someone says this and why does this, you know, if, if you can get really in tune with it, you're, you, you have this focus and you're allowed to see what actually, you know, what triggers something in you. And you, 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 for me, it, it gives me that space of asking, why does this trigger something in me? Right. So it's kind of just a good indication for me to actually find out the, the root of a lot of these issues. But I would say it definitely, you know, you get more in touch with all the different emotions, good and bad, um, on, on the scale. Right. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Breathing is everything. And breathe, breathing is one of these like tactics or they, people think it's, it's nothing when, when, when people say it, even though it's, it's something so vital, obviously, for, for all of us. Um, you know, taking that just when things are going crazy, right? When you're being overwhelmed and you don't know what to do, the only thing that – the thing is you do know what to do. You just can't get there. So the way to yeah. get there is by stopping everything, just pausing and by breathing. And when you're done doing your first breath, to do your second breath. You know, to do your, and, and that's almost like how you can build momentum out of a sticky situation is, is by breathing. Um, and I think it has a, a lot, lot of tremendous impacts um, from, you know, meditation to, to mindfulness. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Um, man, so many great books. Um, you know, there was one that I recently kind of reread. It's called The Intention, Intention Experiment. Um, and, and it's, it's really great. It's, uh, it's almost like a scientific approach. It's a little dense, but you know, I, I, it has so many case studies. I, I, I found it really great. Um, in, it talks about the power of intention. And so as all these different case studies of people, you know, does prayer work, does, you know, long distance healing, does that work? What about monks? What, what, what do the monks do that are, that are so different and so great? How are they, you know, living in such extreme, you know, circumstances and, and, and it all starts with intention. And, and that's kind of like what, what the point of the, the case studies that they listed out in that book. Right. And that's by Lynn McTaggart, I think. I haven't read that one, so I'm looking forward to... To checking it out. That, that sounds like a really good book. So do you have an app that you use that helps you to be more mindful? And maybe it's that one that kind of gets you up every hour. I don't know. But do you have yeah, an app? Yeah, um, I, I don't personally have an app, but uh, <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I have this app and this is actually, um, it's, it was created by a company uh, called Strategic Coach. 
and it's an app called Winstreak. Anytime that anyone asks me for like an app recommendation, I recommend this app. Um, and what it does is that it forces you to pick three wins every day. And you're just checking in and you're picking wins and it, it just puts you in that mindset of, you know, you're looking for wins in your life. You're not looking for negative events, right? You're looking, you're choosing to look at things in a more positive way. Um, and for me, I, I think the idea of little wins, the idea of, you know, sharing your wins, um, I think that that is a really positive impact in terms of, you know, one's outlook and perspective. Um, so win streak, check it out. Um, it's free and it's just something that you could incorporate into your, you know, daily, you know, before bed or right when you wake up, you know, type of thing. I will check it out because nobody has suggested that one before. So I'm looking forward to it. Jay, it has really been great chatting with you. You've got so much wisdom and Mindful <laughs> Tribe. I know that you're just eating this up because this has been an awesome, awesome interview. I appreciate it. How can we connect with you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, thank. first of all, you know, Bruce, it's, it's been a freaking awesome pleasure to just, just come on here, um, you know, jam with you. Um, um, and, and thank you for, for the opportunity to share for people that maybe want to get more of a flavor of, you know, the interview, you know, we, I have a podcast as well, uh, of, of some of the work that we do. Um, I have a YouTube channel as well. YouTube channel is J Wong TV. Uh, so J A Y W O N G TV. And the podcast that is kind of like my hub it is, you know, it's, it's like my love child. So it's called the inner change maker. And, you know, the, it's premised on the idea that if we want to see any change in the world, it really starts with, with ourselves. Right. Um, and so you can check that out at the inner Uh, check us out on iTunes as well. Well, we'll definitely do that. Thanks a million and have a great day. Thanks Bruce. Yeah. See you Jay. Bye now. Bye. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks again so much for joining us today for Jay's show. Just a quick word about his huge birthday bash coming up. Are you listening to this and you're thinking you could do this whole podcasting thing too? You know what? You're right. Maybe you have a message or a story where you believe, you know, you can share what you have to offer with the world. And as you know, Jay has a top rated show, The Inner Changemaker, and he's built a business where he interviews some of his greatest heroes and does it from wherever he is in the world. And right now, he's in Italy. His podcasting strategies have been featured in podcasting conferences like all over North America. His show was nominated as a top 10 business podcast by Podcast Awards earlier this year. Well, on Tuesday, August 30th and Wednesday, August 31st, Jay's celebrating with these two free interactive masterclasses to show you exactly how to create and launch a top rated podcast in only 60 days. So if you've ever thought of doing this, this is your time. Don't miss this free chance to learn from Jay. To register, just go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash Jay, J-A-Y. So Mindful Tribe, take what you've learned today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.